than expected and um, like the fact that I'm up here now and uh, and I, I really appreciate Andrew and uh, as a pastor and I really appreciate for this year he's actually hadn't put me on roster for preaching I'd had a lot of stuff on and I really believe that God you know um, and our church has always been supportive of this that that ministry is not just about standing up here or leading from the front. Ministry is what you guys do every day through the week with people. And, uh, and it's sometimes a, a thing that hard to get our head around because there's often, and I think in times gone by, and I really don't think it's been so much in this church because I go right back to, to when Cam was here and so on, and he really encouraged the fact that we need to see ourselves as ministers wherever we are in the marketplace. Um, but Andrew does that too, and and because he realised that you know I would, I couldn't be in multiple places at once, that I had I had a lot of um, stuff on with my business, and so I really appreciate that time. But then all of a sudden God says, "Well, I need you here today." So <laughs> I'm up here today, and I, I feel like uh, the word that He's given me. I just look back through the week and say, well, "What do you want me to say? What What do you want to say?" to you guys what does he want us what does God want to say today and I really feel it's that he's planted us with a purpose wherever we are we are planted we're not we didn't fall there by accident um, we're not a seed blown by the wind and just landed somewhere God put us where we are he planted that seed and um, and we also need to understand that um, it, i I suppose I often do things um, with plants, um, naturally, and um, and so when God speaks to me, he often speaks to me through through what I, I do, what I what I'm dealing with, and with the um, with planting trees, I, I've been involved with a lot of growing things, growing plants with a particular purpose, particularly timber, and it doesn't just happen. Like if you really want the best timber, you you've got to grow it clear wood timber, not free. Because the knots in timber, when they dry or dead knots, they fall out. If you try and dry timber with knots in it, it twists and it warps. And so we grow not free timber by taking the branches off and it grows over it, so you have clear wood. You also need trees around it to help it grow up to the light or it just keeps going out. I see a lot of parallels with that as people. We need each other. We need people around us to help us become who God wanted us to come and I just need to check on this and um, the scripture tells us there in Colossians 3 23 it says whatever you do do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men so it's whatever you do it's not just on a Sunday it's it's out there it's out there when you're talking to people in the street whether you're serving them coffee whether you're making bread as some of you guys do um, it's whatever you do do it as unto the Lord. It's your ministry. Whatever you do is your ministry. And um, don't think that you'll wait one day and God will get you into ministry because you're in it. You're in it up to your neck when you receive Christ. You, you're in it. And if we see God leading us in these things, it'll, we'll also realise the enemy wants to keep us away from these things or make us ineffective. And once we've come to Christ... The first thing the enemy wants to do is stop us coming to him. But once we're there, he has one goal, and that is to make us ineffective, to make us 
um, not reach others with the gospel, not be a good influence or a positive influence. And um, so God's planted us where we are for a purpose. And we shouldn't see the secular spiritual divide in life. It's, it's one life we live and we live it for God and we live it wherever we are. It might be climbing mountains. It might be um, you know, all sorts of stuff. But whatever we do, we need to see it uh, and ask God what, what he's got for us. And um, we've already covered that, that the promises we see are not just for pastors, they're not just for missionaries, because in a sense, we're all missionaries wherever we are. God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you'll always have sufficiency in all things and have abundantly for every good work. You know, God's going to provide. He's going to provide to make whatever we need. He's going to give us that divine enabling to do whatever we need. And um, we need to take those promises like the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought, strengthen your bones, and you shall be watered like a garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. God promises these things right back from the Old Testament. These were given to Israel, but they're given to us today under a new covenant the beauty is with the new covenant as we share at communion time we don't have to earn it anymore it was being given to us and that was the big change when jesus said it is finished the old covenant was finished there was a completely new one that came in and that's what jesus taught and um, we often get tangled up looking at old testament scriptures and you see the arguments on facebook and all that about you know god tells us this and we don't do it now and accusing Christians of being hypocrites without understanding that the laws that were given and the death penalties that were given were given under an old covenant that Jesus did away with. We don't kill people when they're committing adultery. We don't kill people because they don't keep the Sabbath. We have a new covenant. That way we follow Jesus and that's what he came in to change and, um, and that's what's so, so freeing, so refreshing that he has paid the penalty. He's paid all those penalties. We just need to surrender to him. And um, does that, our general purpose of, the, of our calling is, is one thing. There's, we're called, but the specific callings that each one of us is different wherever we are. And um, I'd just like to read one of the scriptures that jumped out and hit me um, this week. Uh, came out of the word for today. So those of you who read that probably read it. It was through the week. And... Um, it reminded me, we used to play, um, when we were little kids, we used to play hidey. And the person would hide in the corner and count to ten. And all the other kids would run off and hide somewhere, often very obviously. Um, they'd cover their eyes and think they were hiding. But, um, and then you would call out, coming ready or not. Who remembers the coming ready or not stuff? <laughs> coming ready or not. You know, I think, I think God says that. I'm coming, ready or not. And he, he says it quite a few times. So sometimes we think he's not coming. But he's going to come, ready or not. I wonder what he's going to find us doing. I wonder what he's going to find us doing. And some weeks ago we had John Leake here. And uh, I've always been inspired by John. Here he is over 80, 85, 84 or whatever it is. 
he is still passion, passionately going about the assignment God's put on his life uh, to do with orphanages and, and, and Africa. And, um, and he will keep going because it, it's the assignment God's given him. But I noticed when he was here, he said, look, it's not a matter of whether we're going to heaven or whether or not. When we're Christians, when we're born again and receive Christ, that's a done deal. That's not the issue. The issue is whether we're following our calling, you know. And it's very easy to, to be slack and God's pretty patient with us. But everybody's calling's different. It's not all to go to be missionaries and it's not all to overseas and it's not all to um, set up orphanages. But we need, he challenged me that we need to really look to God of, to what that calling is because that's, that's all part of why we're on this planet. That's where we're going to receive the greatest... Um, not reward in terms of uh, the way we think of reward, but the greatest fulfilment in our life is by doing the work that he sent us and created us to do. So it's important, and, and as I, I read this thing, there was, um, and I'll just, I'll just read it the way it came out from the uh, word for today. But how can, I, how can I tell if I'm in the will of God? By knowing these two things which were clearly laid out in the Bible. The first thing is you must be a Christian. Paul tells us that for all, th- all who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. We can't be led by the Spirit of God if we don't come to Christ first and surrender and allow him into our lives. But when we do allow him into our lives, then we can be led by his Spirit. And that's exciting stuff. That's incredibly exciting. Everyone, only... As a believer, do you have the Spirit's presence within you? And you must have this inside help if you're going to allow, if you're going to follow the will of God and enjoy the blessing that that brings. And the second thing is you've got to exercise wisdom. Uh, And it says in uh, Ephesians 5 and 15 to 7, it says, Be Be very careful in how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And and that's the challenge, is to learn to hear God, learn to be directed by him, and and understand what his will and purpose for us is. And it goes on to talk about a... A famous theologian and a preacher called Jonathan Edwards. Now he's no relation to me, I don't think, but if he was, it was back. He went to university in 1716, so it was a few years back. So I can't remember. But at the, he was at, he was 13 years old when he went to university, and at 17 he graduated at the head of his class. And by the age of 20, he resolved never to lose one moment of time. But to, improve, <clears throat> but to improve in the most profitable way he could. At 26, he pastored one of the largest congregational churches in Massachusetts. And when God decided to visit, England, visit New England in the Great Awakening, he chose to use Jonathan Edwards because he was prepared and ready. The challenges for each of us is, are we prepared and ready? when God wants to use us. Doing the will of God calls for staying sensitive to the Holy Spirit and living in a state of perpetual readiness. 
So how ready are we if God was to speak to us? Are we hanging on to so many things too tightly and preconceived ideas of what we should be doing that we miss what God has got for us? So I was inspired by the attitude of that young guy and his, his readiness. And I think that's why God used him um, so much. We see there in Scripture in, in 1 Peter, it says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into a wonderful light. We can see that's a general purpose for us as believers. And, you know, we're, we're here to honour God. We're here to, to bring by what we do, what we say, what we think. We're here to honour him. In Isaiah it says they were called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord for the display of his planter. We are to be planted not by ourselves but by God. And how often it is easy to get dissatisfied, to look and think the grass is always greener in another paddock. We should be there. The, the weather's always warmer in Queensland. I should be up there. I can hear God calling. I should be in Queensland this winter. But we, we need, and I'm not saying God doesn't lead us to Queensland, but we need to, it's easy to transplant ourselves. And in my experience with transplanting things, you can always put them in the wrong soil, in the wrong place, and they'll never really recover. Especially, you try transplanting eucalypts, especially the ones you want to grow for timber, and if you put them somewhere that's not quite right, they, they will never be what they're supposed to be. They will always struggle. And I believe God says that about us. We are to be the planting of the Lord. We are to, to grow in the place that he's put us. Now don't think I'm saying you've always got to stay in the place you were born in. Um, but we need to make sure when God leads us on that he does, it's him that's doing the leading. Because if we transplant ourselves, we'll find that it just doesn't work. We won't be fulfilling what he's what what his creator is to be and and i often think why wasn't i born in india well god wanted me here why why weren't i here or there or somewhere else why was i born and uh brought up at, at labor's hill um well that's where he wanted to train me for what he's got for me now um you know let's let's not overthink stuff we are where we are because god has planted us there and uh we need to sort of just keep that open spirit to say, okay, make sure I'm not just thinking, oh, it's too tough here. I want somewhere better. I want somewhere easier. We transplant ourselves and we'll find that uh, we won't be satisfied because we're not doing what God has called us to do. And um, there's that um, scripture from Ephesians 3.20 and it really... There, we need needing to acknowledge God there, um, and I'll just flick through some of these. Before I get into that one, we'll look at Ephesians three twenty. Says, "Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think, according to his power that works in us." And Joe's uh, testimony really, um, I found that exciting because that's really that it's his power that's working it in us to to lead us and to guide us 
And, um, and God wants to be in partnership with us. In Philippians we read that, but because of your partnership in the gospel from this day till now, being confident of this, that he began a good working you will perform it. You know, God just doesn't give up on us when we stuff up. We make mistakes all the time. He will continue to work. He will continue to work with us. And um, a word that my, uh, my coach, my business coach often uses is being co-laborers with Christ. We're not on our own. We're actually working with him. And uh, he's given us ministries to work with us, not to just leave us on our own. But to fulfill God's purposes um, and discover what he's actually promised for us, we need this, there's these four Ps, the four Ps or four points, and, um, and they refer to our assignment. The first one is the purpose, the purpose that God has for us. And um, we read there in in Corinthians, if a man builds on a foundation using gold, silver or costly stones, wood, hay or straw, his work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light and it will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. You know, there are a lot of things we can build our life out of. We can build them out of, to me, the... the, the um, the precious stones and the gold and the silver refer to things of eternal value and I believe that's what Paul's referring to. At the end of this world there will be things that have eternal value that are going to stand there. They're the things that are part of the kingdom, the things that God has got us to do. And then there's the wood, hay and the stubble, the things that will just be burnt up. And I'm sure we've built plenty of stuff out of wood, hay and stubble in our lives. They're stuff that really they're material things that don't count for eternity. But we need to focus on the life, the things that God has put in our life. So often um, we can spend our whole life building with the wood, hay, and stubble. And it goes on to talk about such a man that's built his house or built his life out of the wood, hay, and stubble. It will be consumed by fire. And it says he will escape, but by escaping as a man out of the flames, he will not have anything to show. He might, he'll be saved because Christ has done that for him but he will not have anything to, um, to stand with him and to me that says we can build our life out of all sorts of things and it's not a matter of our salvation it's like John Leake said our salvation's a done deal that was paid for by Christ but it's what else we've added to it it's a challenge because we all do a bit of wood hay stubble stuff we all do that a bit but we need to really ask God, what do you want me to do? What's something that's worthwhile? So that's the purpose of the Lord. And then we need to be planted where God puts us, put us where God puts us. And um, when we talk, look at planting, we see a lot of things in Scripture. And um, Mark talks about, or Jesus talked about, it's like a mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. It's the smallest of seeds that you plant into the ground. And yet when it's planted, it grows to become one of the largest of the garden plants. And its branches are a home for the birds of the air. And to me, that speaks, of, as he says, the kingdom of heaven. But it also speaks that our lives are going to benefit others. They start little things in our life. We might think they're insignificant. We might think that 
What does it matter whether I live in Colac or anywhere else? But God plants us there. Our lives are going to affect others and bless others. They're not just for us. As uh, that um, parable that Jesus taught shows us that they are to, the kingdom of heaven is about helping others and reaching others. So we need, shouldn't just transplant ourselves somewhere else unless God has actually let him do the transplanting. Let him tell us where we should go. So we need to, it's about putting our trust in him. Blessed's the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. So we really need to put our confidence in God. And, um, and he goes on to say, he'll be like a tree planted. You notice that scripture actually uses plants quite a bit. He'll be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes. And when its leaves are always green, do we fear when the heat is put on us? We shouldn't fear if we're in God. We shouldn't fear. We should trust in him. And um, when drought times come, and you notice it says droughts won't come. Droughts will come. But our roots need to go down into that stream. And as Ed talked about, the living water that flowed from Christ, the streams that come from Christ, that living water, that's where our roots need to go. That's where we need to draw on when droughts come when it seems like everything's dry it seems like everything's against us the ground's all cracking the grass isn't growing the plants are dying put our, our roots into the streams into Christ himself and that's where we'll get our water that's where we'll get our nutri- nutri- nutrient from so many instances through scripture um, Daniel in the lion's den and how he, he trusted God um, and yet, he was planted there. You know, it was part of God's plan. So just because we're going through tough stuff, just because the lions are having a go at us, like they were with Daniel, didn't mean that we weren't put there. Let's not transplant ourselves because things are tough. So if we're going through tough stuff at the moment, just be encouraged that God knows and seek him and let the, the refreshment that comes from him put your roots down into that stream and uh, it comes from the life of Christ that's, that's in us. Then there's the third P, the pruning of the Lord. God liked to trim off that stuff that's waste of energy. And um, we need to just keep an eye out for the things that, that need taking out of our lives, that complicate things. And um, we need to sometimes be pruned. In uh, John 15... And one, where Jesus says, I'm the true vine and my father is the gardener. But he, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While he, the branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. He still prunes so that it will bear even more. And I wonder if we're willing to be pruned. If we're willing to let God take stuff away from us and cut things out of our life to make it simple. Things that might be complicated. And um, like that analogy of, of growing not free timber uh, with high value, a high value veneer, that we have to take off those branches so that clear wood, the most valuable wood, will still grow. So maybe there's some pruning that needs to be done if we're to, if we're to end up where God wants us to be. And the fourth P is the people. God's never made us to be islands on our own. Or it's always about people. And um, 
scripture says iron sharpens iron and there's um you know there's really no place for lone rangers in the kingdom of god we're part of a body the whole analogy through scripture through the new testament is that a body of christ he says are we all a hand or we're all a head or we're all a foot imagine if that hand tried to operate on its own it'd be chaotic it'd probably just rot away actually and we're a bit like that we we need each other and we're not to, meant to be the whole body on our own we're meant to be part of that body and um, I love that scripture about iron sharpens iron so one man sharpens another because there's something that happens when you bounce ideas off each other and you come up with something that's totally different to any of the sum it's it's like a multiplying effect from ideas and um, it's I just love brainstorming problems because you come up with solutions you would never have come up on your own and uh, and the scripture tells us that about iron sharpening iron it tells us too about in Hebrews the primary reason we come together is in that scripture it's to encourage encourage one another let's not give up meeting together as some in the habit of doing but let's encourage one another all the more as we see the day approaching we need encouragement we need to give encouragement sometimes you can encourage people by just being with them you don't have to say anything you just have to be there and especially when they're going through stuff we we don't have to pretend we've got answers we just have to be there and uh, encouragement is one of the main reasons given there in scripture is why we come together it uh, it goes on to talk about uh, meeting together and in psalms and spiritual songs and that sort of thing and worship but that's one of the key reasons of church is to encourage and two are better than one it's as simple as that in Ecclesiastes because they have where is it? because they have a good return for their work if one falls down his friend can help him up but pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. To me, that's a bit like the encouragement verse. We need someone there in case we fall. And if you're a um, timber cutter in the bush, you know that you should never go falling trees on your own. Because if something falls or you get stuck, you're in deep weeds without somebody else there. And uh, scripture tells us that right there. It also says if two lie down together they will keep warm but how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered two can defend themselves and a cord, a three strand cord is not quickly broken. And um, So right through scripture we've got these things about needing to work together as a team. It tells us we sh we're supposed to work as a team and not on our own. And um, just concluding, um, often we just need to rekindle our vision. The scripture tells us to fan into flame that gift. So it, it, it dies down like a fire does. We need to stoke it up and push those coals together. We need to surrender to God's plan. We only have one life to live, and it's not a spiritual life and a secular life. It's just one. We have one life, one total life, spiritual and secular, all lumped in together. And we need to walk into what he's given us to do and expect to see him work. Expect 
He's in our lives and he's in our hearts. We need to expect him. And uh, the great scripture as we read now, to him is able to do exceedingly abundant above all we ask or think according to the power that works within us. And that's the real difference between a believer and non-believer is his power that works within us. And let's see that as a great adventure and a great partnership that God really wants us to, to work on. And another analogy is um, if, if a horse is un, an unbroken horse, uh, just runs wild, it can do nowhere near what a broken in horse can do where its rider can direct it and lead it and it has a, a bridle in its mouth. It can achieve so much more, can jump so much higher, can run so much further when there's someone who's directing it. But the first, the horse's got to be broken in. He's got to surrender to its rider. And so we need to surrender to God's ways, to his purpose, and we need to have a purpose-driven life. We need to be planted where God plants us. We need to allow him to prune off the things that need pruning. And we need the people around us to support us. We're not meant to be an island on our own. And um, I'll leave that one there. It was just some words that I put together at the last minute. But let's just pray for Andrew who's at home with the flu and feeling really crooked. He's had it for a while now. So we'll pray for Andrew and then I'll ask the, uh, the band to come up. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for Andrew and Rochelle and the kids. And Lord, what a great blessing they are and, the, and what a, a great leader he is at such a young age. And Lord, we think of other examples as we, we heard about um, Jonathan Edwards there and what great things he did and what uh, and the huge church that he led at, at a, a much younger age, even in his early 20s. And Lord, we realise that, that you choose anyone whose heart is right to you, whose heart is towards you. And Lord, we just pray that our heart would be right to you so that you can continue to use us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you.